0: Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Good afternoon. On today's show, we're going to be talking about curriculum. How's your school developed it in line with the new framework? Roadmaps, interleaving, curriculum mapping? How do you monitor it and how do you embed it all properly? Also, how can you encourage a reading culture with your students and staff? All of these questions and more with my guest later, Teresa Gage on The Drive Home with me, Seb, on Teachers Talk Radio.
0: Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio.
1: Good afternoon. What a lovely sunny day. So I'm not sure how many people are going to be listening in. You may well be outside sunning yourselves uh, on the way home uh, in your lovely convertible uh, cars that we all drive as teachers, um, or not. Or maybe you're still stuck at school. Uh, if you are still stuck at school, please make sure you uh get outside at some point. Um, it's always good if you've got a five-period day. I used to find at lunchtime just to go and have a little walk around outside get some sun get some fresh air uh just to recharge the batteries so uh in light of this here in london today it is a scorcher um it's not quite t-shirt and shorts weather um but we're not far off it it's a beautiful beautiful day so wherever you are listening from i hope you've got some uh pleasant weather too um it's been a good week uh for english clubs in the champions league as uh, with obviously we've got now uh, three teams in the draw, which is happening tomorrow. So I'm very pleased about that uh, as a Liverpool fan. So that's our daily digest of football done. Um, and yeah, a couple of weeks to go and we will be approaching uh, the Easter holidays, which I think is probably one of my favourite uh, holiday breaks as a teacher, and um, potentially because Christmas is always full of Christmassy busyness. Uh, half terms aren't really worth the paper they're written on for me because I'm only five days uh and yeah the summer is great um but obviously you you gotta gotta keep yourself busy especially if you've got young children easter being a lovely two to three week break at the time when we all need it so whatever you're doing however you're celebrating it whether you're uh eating eggs or not um, make sure you have a great break but we've got two weeks to go so um in the build up to that um hope we're all feeling Uh, Like we've got enough in the tank to keep going. Um, What we're going to be looking at today is we're going to talk about a lot of things today. So we've got a packed show uh, where we're going to talk about various different things, discuss various different uh, issues, all kind of linked um, around different things. But basically um, to do with my interview today, which with with my guest, Teresa Gage, I'm really looking forward to speaking to Teresa Um, and Teresa is a deputy, well, soon to be deputy head. She's about to start a role as a deputy head. Um, She's a fantastic uh, woman, uh, a a woman that I used to actually teach as a student who has now gone full circle uh, into the teaching profession and has got herself up to the level of uh, deputy head. So really proud of her for that as an ex-student. And obviously she's in a primary school setting and my background is secondary. And I know that I do tend to bias my conversations towards secondary a lot of the time on my show. And today, obviously, I'm going to give it a bit more, bit more love to the old primary sector. So if you are listening in and you're enjoying the show and you are a primary teacher, please, please get in touch. I'd love to hear your comments. You can message me in the chat box or obviously just click call in on the Podbean app. And you'll be connected directly to me here in the studio uh i say the studio is obviously just my house um but yes uh, um it'd be great to hear from you doesn't mean i don't want to talk to any secondary teachers but if anything that i discuss with Teresa later uh just you know chimes with you or makes you feel the need to call him please do so so i hear you say what exactly are you going to be discussing on today's show well i put a few tweets out uh to those people uh following uh, me or by following Teacher Tour Radio, which again, you can always do. Uh, we've got loads and loads of followers now. Really pleased with that. Got a great community of people um, that follow the show um, at TT Radio 2022. Uh, that is our handle. Um, or you can message me at trippitaka 74 So, um, what am I going to be talking about? Well, today's show, we're going to talk about two or three various different things. So, I'm going to just kind of summarize those uh hello to teresa who's listening in which is great uh she's joined the show and anybody else that's joined us um we're going to talk about a few things mainly probably curriculum uh because that is obviously a hot topic at the moment all the schools that i've been working with over the last uh few months in various different roles um curriculum is obviously at the forefront uh due to the uh curriculum check their Ofsted framework changes a few uh, years ago now, um, and everybody's doing their best to make sure that those changes are embedded uh, so that obviously they receive uh, a favourable Ofsted report, but also um, to make sure that students are getting the best out of their school life. So in terms of that, we're going to be digging down a bit on curriculum, trying to find out what people uh, are doing, what teachers are doing, i.e. you guys, the listeners, uh, what are you doing in your school? Uh, to get curriculum uh, going, basically to get it embedded and to get the students' awareness of the curriculum. This is a big thing Ofsted are looking for when I when they go in and quite a few people I know that have have had Ofsted's uh, visits in the last uh, six months have all said the same thing. Uh, students being taken out of lessons, students being quizzed by Ofsted inspectors about uh, their knowledge in terms of what they're doing. So the shift has gone fully away from monitoring teachers and judging teachers, quite rightly, uh, in one-off observations to looking more at what the learners are doing. However, those learners, those students need to be able to articulate that, and that is how Ofsted are trying to find out whether your curriculum is actually being enacted, uh, which is something that we all sometimes struggle with. We can have the best plans in the world, we can have the best intent, Uh, you can spend hours and hours writing a beautiful curriculum, the intended curriculum, but actually how much of that is being enacted. And that is a phrase that Dylan William used a while back to describe. And you can search that up on YouTube and see what Dylan is saying uh about it. But essentially what he's talking about is the idea of we have a curriculum which we intend to deliver. Um, That's obviously comes from the exam specs or from whatever you need to teach the students. And then you have the enacted curriculum which is actually what happens in lessons. So there is a there is a gap, there is a difference and obviously that isn't always Um, easy and you may make changes and you'll be if you're obviously a good teacher you're going to be responsive to your students we all understand that but this this gap between a lovely uh, printed beautiful word document or something that's on your students uh, sorry on your website for parents in terms of what you're supposed to be doing and actually what is happening in the classroom there can be a bit of a gap there particularly I think when we come down to things like Uh, Schools that use things like the big question, which I know is quite popular, um, a big overarching question to a term or to a concept. Um, And, you know, that overarching question, you know, might be, you know, what is gravity or whatever that question is. Um, How do you then make sure that you are putting your plans into place, your lesson plans that that go that work around that? And because of that, that is something I'm going to talk to Teresa a little bit about um, in a primary setting so i know how it works in secondary uh, but when i speak to teresa later we're going to be talking a little bit about primary curriculum because obviously the big big difference is as a secondary teacher we teach our subject so all my curriculum work that i've done over the last few years has all been very much focused on specifically drama uh, going down to the granular level of what's in a lesson uh, what do the students need to know at the end of year 11, year 13, etc. How do we chunk that down, break that down through key stage three? Um, and, you know, that approach to it is very much subject led. In primary, of course, it's very different. And I'm sure primary teachers will know this because that's your job. But it's worth reminding in secondary teachers that sometimes we forget that primary teachers are teaching every subject. So how do you, first of all, monitor that if you're on the leadership team? And how do you embed that with teachers, if teachers have to have a knowledge of everything—maths, English, science, geography—I mean, at this point, I have to say uh, respect and full hats off to primary teachers because I don't know how you do it. I literally don't know how you manage to cover, have a basic knowledge. Well, it's not even a basic knowledge now; it's a very high uh, amount of knowledge that you need to be able to teach the students, particularly as they get older. In year five and year six, the maths core skills, the English core skills. I look at some of my students, my kids, my own kids' homework, and I'm and I'm sometimes baffled so um yeah so that's a good one so just to recap um please do get in touch if you've got anything to say about curriculum primary would be good but if you're a secondary teacher that's fine as well um and even if you're in a different part of the education sector if you've got something you want to say you're passionate about with curriculum uh please get in touch maybe you're an Ofsted inspector maybe you're an Ofsted inspector sitting listening to teacher talk radio that'd be cool wouldn't it maybe you're sitting there and you want to chip in with um, what ofsted are looking for with curriculum anyway so we're going to talk about that i'm going to speak to teresa um, a little bit later on in the show in about 15 20 minutes about how primary curriculum could operate and obviously she's only going to speak from her school's uh, perspective um, and that won't be the same as everywhere but i think she'll have some good ideas and some success stories we're also going to talk a little bit about reading culture Uh, now i know world book day was a couple of weeks ago And I did on my show then mention about how we get kids reading. And I have covered that on previous shows, which are all available, by the way, on our website, ttradio.org. If you've missed any of my shows, any of my episodes, and you want to listen back, you can do that through the website, through the listen back function. And obviously not just me. uh, There's plenty. We've got over 50 hosts at the moment on Teacher Talk Radio and all of their uh, back catalogue. You can binge, binge listen um forget netflix just just binge listen teach talk radio and you can listen to so many different great shows about all sorts of topics from ethnic diversity inclusion sen cpd whatever you want it's all on there so check check that out so but in terms of reading i do want to just see today if anyone's got any ideas um about how you might promote a reading culture so for example i know in schools i've worked in uh, we've had posters up um displays, sorry, where they have mentioned, um, you know, photos of st- teachers reading. Now that might be a quite a simple thing to inspire students. That might be a visual thing. How else might you do that? How else might you um, promote it with assemblies? How do you role model it? Um, how do you do that? So there's, there's a few different uh, websites and companies that I know is going to mention, um, and I'll pop there their information in the chat when we get to that point um, with, their, with their websites and their Twitter addresses, because there's a couple of different companies that she, she uses, which are fantastic with that. And that obviously all links to Oracy and students' um, ability to talk about their learning as well. So what I want you to do, get in touch, uh, send a message or click the, click the call in button. Let me know what you do about curriculum. Uh, do you have roadmaps? I mean, I see roadmaps everywhere I go. They're all over Twitter. They're all over uh, school websites. They're all over school buildings. Um, I love them. I do like them. I think they're really great visually for students. um, And it is great from a metacognitive point of view that students know where they're going, which is obviously the purpose of it. Um, How effective are they though? How effective are they? Does your school use them uh, in the planner, for example? Do you have something that the students can refer to all the time. Is it something you are told by SLT to stick into their exercise books so they can look back at it? That's my big issue with it. I think they're great roadmaps, but unless the kids can easily access them, I remember seeing one in a classroom a few months back, actually. It was a beautifully laminated colour roadmap that It must have taken the teacher hours to do, but it was stuck in the corner behind a curtain. And um, I just said to the teacher, well, actually, it's brilliant, but how can the kids see it how do they use it do they actually in lessons go up and look at it to which you kind of realised and said well no they don't really so it's key that thing about making a roadmap because you've got to make those decisions and that's going to inform how you sequence your curriculum how you uh, build that knowledge-rich curriculum or how you sort of slowly um, spiral curriculum sequence that learning over 7 8 9 10 11 I think we all need obviously to do that for our own schemes of work but the emphasis has gone, hasn't it, in the last few years from Ofsted to making sure the students can talk about it. Do the students know, A, what they're doing? Why they are doing it in that order? What did they do last week or last month? And what are they going to do next? That, for me, is the biggest challenge. Um, because if you ask most students in a lesson, they'll, they pretty much always know what they're doing. Well, you'd hope most of the time when I speak to kids, they do say, oh, we're doing this today. When I then say why, sometimes they might say, oh, because we're doing a topic on, I don't know, let's say it's art and they're doing a portrait scheme of work and they're drawing a face and they might say, oh, because we're doing work on portraits. Lovely. Are they then able to then say, oh, that's because last term we looked at shading and that's because next term we're going to be looking at, um, I don't know, still life figures. I'm not an art teacher, by the way. Um, I don't think they can. And how much should they? And how much do, do we, as teachers, have time in an hour's lesson to really signpost that stuff and really flag that up and constantly refer to it and constantly say, you're doing this because you're doing that and we're doing this because of that? You can't. It's just not possible, I don't think, to build all that in. Please get in touch. If you disagree or agree, let me know, call in or message me on the chat. Um. Yeah, so I just think it's a tough one. It's a tough one. We. I get the theory. I get the evidence about it. I get that Ofsted want to see it. I get that we're doing it for the students, not just Ofsted, hopefully. Um, I get all of that, but I'm still yet to see that kind of link between the intent and what is actually enacted in the classroom um, as clearly as maybe it, it should be. And I, I can only talk from my experience, of course. I'm just one person in amongst thousands of teachers across the country. So please, um, let me hear from you so we're going to be talking about curriculum we're going to talk about uh how that works in a primary setting I've referred a little bit there to how it works in a secondary setting um there's obviously the leadership angle to all of this um anybody out there who's a, a middle leader or a senior leader how do you check how do you monitor how do you go in and make sure that those deep dives are you know doing what they should be doing making sure that you can go in and see that because a lot of the time i think you know, you can look at it on the website and you can go and check a department and say, right, in maths, they should be doing ratio this week. And you go and look, you watch the lessons and they're doing ratio. That's great because they're following what they said they do. But are they? How specific can we get about that scheme drilling down? Um, especially if you're not a math specialist in this example. How can you be sure that the big question that they've been asking about? I don't know, maybe the whole topics about shape. Um And you go to a specific lesson looking at, I don't know, 3D shape, are the students going to be comfortable enough to say, well, we did this because we've been doing shape, blah, blah, blah. And next term we're doing area. So we need to know shape. I don't know. I'm just um, I'm just thinking aloud, really. But let me know if you you, uh, have an opinion on it or you think it's all wrong or it's all going in the right way. Or maybe we need a bit more time, because I think a lot of these changes happened from my memory. I'm not sure now that curriculum framework, whether that was four years ago, five years ago, it feels like that long. But of course, we've had the dreaded COVID. So I think that has maybe for some people either derailed them or maybe slowed it down. And maybe people were getting, getting really into that and then this happened. Or maybe it's the opposite. I know a lot of people who use that lockdown time to actually take advantage of it and spend ages writing their intentions, writing up their schemes writing up their curriculum plans for leadership or for whoever required it because actually we never had the time before so maybe actually lockdown helped us to get on board with that Uh, but i still go back to my point are we sure that it's been embedded how can we check it what what systems are there to monitor it um and how often should we check students check teachers in terms of that and because if we're moving away from a culture of judging lessons in terms of uh, pedagogy and moving more towards okay ticking boxes because we know that that's going to be something that's going to be looked at by Ofsted then we need to be making sure that students know all this stuff and that they can talk about it and then I get a bit cynical because then I think well are we just training kids to talk about it because of Ofsted and actually what is the point the point is for them to be more metacognitive be able to know why they're learning certain things, how it fits into a bigger picture. And of course, with secondary, I would be very much focusing on my subject. Someone somewhere in that school, hopefully, is looking at how then the subjects link together. How is there links between them? Have we got that cultural capital in there? How are you building literacy um, into it and keywords? How do you interleave topics uh, across different areas to make sure that the, the retrieval practice? I mean, it is such a monster, really, isn't it? If we think about it um so yeah there's lots of different ways people are doing lots of angles so again on teach talk radio we do see ourselves also as a sort of CPD provider in some ways um because I know a lot of people listen to the shows um to help them I know ECTs that told me they listen to episodes to help them with their CPD um rather than necessarily looking for an article or reading a book you can actually go back and listen to some of the great guests that we've had on some of our shows published authors scientists researchers head teachers um middle leaders we've had so many brilliant guests not just on my show but across the whole of teacher talk radio so it is almost uh cpd for people so again please let us know get in touch if you've got tips advice ideas Um, Or you want to have a little moan. Again, I'm not going to, you don't have to say what school you're from. You don't even have to say your name necessarily. If you want to just get a bit of a rant on about curriculum, maybe you're a bit annoyed with things you've been asked to do. I do worry sometimes if it, I remember at one place I went to, you know, some people were disgruntled because literally what they were doing was rewriting uh, what was seen as the curriculum intent, which was exactly the same as what was in their schemes of work anyway, but just rewriting it to put it on a document and there was a lot of copy and pasting. Now, I understand the need for websites to have it on there. I understand the need for parents to be uh, comfortable and know what their students are doing. But, uh, you know, I sometimes worry in terms of workload, are people just constantly re- rehashing stuff for the sake of it and, and taking a lot of their time. So we're gonna talk about curriculum. So get in touch if you've got any opinion about that. On the show, you the lines are open all the time here on Teach Type Radio. Uh, it is around 20 past four we're here till half past five on the drive home with me seb and the lines are always open for you to call in um also want to cover um well primary and secondary there is a difference there we're not going to go into that necessarily but there may be worth looking at how primary and secondary the differences between how we approach curriculum um which is something i'm going to discuss with Teresa um about how you would map that if if students are all doing different subjects compared to how a secondary school also looking at reading culture um i want to see if there's any great tips or ideas how does your school uh, encourage that we all know that we just had world book day we all know that reading is a massively uh you know statistically proven to help attainment uh, and progress over time we know all of that um that's not in debate but what is difficult is creating a buzz for it getting students who are in this modern world of of devices and phones uh to in love reading and to enjoy the escape uh from a well-being point of view from a, a less screen time point of view and just for for them to learn and to en- enjoy just reading fiction or non-fiction or magazines or whatever it is uh just for the love of reading because we know it increases vocabulary we know it increases uh, their performance um academically but of course really you've got to start with them enjoying wanting to pick a book up which is obviously most, half of the battle so if you've got any tips on how you do that beyond the ones i've already mentioned such as whole school reading days or how much uh, your lrc or your library is at the forefront of your school how much access students get to it how regularly they get to it, um, is it a sort of dark and dingy corner of your school with a, with a dusty bookshelf or is it a, a real thriving hub where students go You know, again, funding-wise, I'm not sure um, how everybody has those things or that everybody has a fantastic librarian or LRC manager that can really help with that. Um, I know there's things like Accelerated Reader, uh, the Carnegie um, Reading uh, Trust, all those kind of lots and lots of organisations out there, and I'm not an expert on it. All I know is that reading is great and more kids should do it. And my question to my listeners today is how do you get them to do it so teresa does talk about that a little bit Um, today later on when i'll be when i'll be talking to her we, we we do discuss um some ideas that she's done in a primary setting uh i'll put that in inverted commas because it's probably something that we could do at secondary but obviously maybe has a slightly different twist um so yeah so reading culture uh and curriculum uh, what have you done as a teacher have you made loads of curriculum plans uh, loads of intentions uh, but what about actually how you've enacted it how have you managed to deliver it and also how do you go back and change it if your teachers are busy enough as it is do you teach a scheme of work and then have the time and the capacity to go back and think well i need to tweak that because actually what i taught them was something different i need to change that for next year i don't know how many of us actually have the capacity to do that to go back and reflect and rewrite stuff maybe you wait until it comes around the next year and then you would do that again and you think right actually let me just tweak that because we said we we're going to focus on this part of macbeth or whatever it is and actually we've really we've focused on a different part i don't know you get what i'm saying hopefully uh thank you to everyone that's listening to me again uh today on a lovely uh sunny day i do appreciate it Uh, If you have missed the beginning, then, of course, you can always listen to it afterwards. Um, I will shortly be joined by uh, Teresa in a couple of minutes. um, And we're going to pick apart uh, some of those different uh, topics uh, that we've just discussed.
0: Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: So good afternoon, yes, if you've just joined us, it is the Drive Home Show with me, Seb, on a lovely uh, sunny Thursday afternoon. Today we're talking about curriculum, uh, roadmap, sequencing, interleaving, anything else you can mention about curriculum. And we're also talking about how you might be, build a reading culture in your school. If you've got any opinion on it, please get in touch and let me know through the Podbean, straight away.
0: Live from London. This is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio.
1: Yep. So thank you to just having a quick look at the people joining me today. So thank you uh, to Seema and to Tom and to Nathan and all the other people that are joining us from wherever you are. Lovely name of one guy there, uh, Joaquin. Uh, I'm not sure where you are uh, um, listening from, Joaquin. You may be listening from London, Um, but um, fantastic, lovely name you've got. I wonder if you're listening from somewhere outside of the UK. Let me know. Um, We do get a lot of great listeners from all over the world. um, And that is one of the great things about live streaming a radio show like this is that um we get all sorts of people um from different walks of life and education uh, from all sorts of countries um from everywhere from asia uh, right across america uh, africa everywhere so fantastic um right so let's uh, crack on so today i'm going to be interviewing teresa gage uh, so before I do that interview, um, just a little bit of background on Teresa. So I know Teresa because she I used to be a student of mine. She was a drama student. I used to teach a long, long time ago when I first started teaching, which is too long ago for me to mention now. Um, and she was a great student. I I'd always, I always had a, an inkling and a feeling that she might end up being a teacher herself, but I wasn't sure. Obviously, she went in and did her drama career and some acting, etc. And she's now in a primary setting and she's about to take a job as a deputy head so i'm really really proud of her um and yeah so she's got loads of brilliant things to talk about today about pedagogy curriculum uh primary schools uh leadership and reading and um yeah another little shout out possibly i think after the news we will have a chat about that as well uh is the women ed angle to all of this because you know she's uh she's got, you know she's got created a career for herself and you know i need to really um really shout out to that um any any strong women leaders that are out there because it's not um sometimes the easiest role to do um i think in some in some environments um so i'm not sure whether people feel like that or not maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong with that um but i'm not sure it's all as equal as it should be particularly at a leadership level um in terms of promotions but I haven't got stats, so I shouldn't really comment, I suppose. Um, but yeah, big shout out to her for that. So, without further ado, I'm going to um, uh, do the interview uh, right now. I'm just um, going to clip um, a little bit off the beginning oh, yeah. because I know that, that. Um, I waffled a bit at the Good. beginning. There we go. Okay. That's the uh, okay. beginning there. So I'll ignore that. Right, and All here right. she Hello is. Hello there. So today's guest is Teresa Gage, and she is a teacher uh a deputy head soon to be deputy head teacher in a primary school and she's going to join me talk about various different uh issues parts of her role um primarily as an english teacher but also uh, the other work she's done whole school hi Teresa. hello thanks for joining us very welcome um right so let's start Teresa. just to give the listeners a bit of background and um, mm-hmm. we've been talking about curriculum a lot today but yeah. before we get stuck into that with you uh, just give us a bit of a background to your your route um, from trainee to now about to be deputy head, just give us a bit of context of how, how your teaching journey's gone
2: okay so um I completed my NQT year about six years ago I think it's called an ECT now isn't it about six years ago before that I did a skip program where I was a trainee teacher at the same school and before that I was PPA teacher and a midday and an LSA so I've done every role and I actually trained in performing arts in uh, drama dance and singing uh quite a few years ago now um and then I've worked on from there, really. So from my NQT year, I was um, working in in year three. The following year, I became um, head of year. So we were a three form entry school. So I was the head of three classes, basically. Um, After three years of working at that school, I then moved on to um, a new school where I was given the title as lead practitioner. And I initially um, led on English. Um, after two years, I took on a role as acting assistant head teacher to cover somebody who was on maternity leave. And in that role, that was like the height of the pandemic. So I was um busy doing lots of things, and curriculum and things took a bit of a backseat. English was still obviously quite important. And then, after that, during that year, myself and uh, the head teacher, rehashed our curriculum and then I've spent this year as a lead practitioner leading on the curriculum for the entire school and English lead and also year 6 teacher which is lots of fun because then we have to do lots of assessments and sats and things like that and I'm about to start my deputy headship at a new school from after the Easter holidays so busy, busy busy
1: fantastic so that's a brilliant um brilliant journey there and obviously inspiring for anybody out there that's either a trainee uh, act at the moment listening in or anyone thinking of getting onto leadership uh, either primary or secondary level um, and that is quite a rapid rise isn't it about six or seven years to get to yep. that point yeah really quick
2: really quick yeah really
1: good so before we move to talking about curriculum any tips i know people are always desperate for tips for the interviews and things like that and um, but just in terms of your own experience what what advice or tips would you give teachers in general about career progression and things that they could, should avoid or things that you think have helped you do so well?
2: Um, I think you really need to be brave um, to take the plunge uh, because it can be quite scary taking on a new role Um, so be brave and uh, be super organized uh, managing your time because taking on another role, especially in primary i'm not really sure how it works in secondary. But taking on another role in primary often involves that you still have full class responsibility, so you were still responsible for that class and. Um, and you need to be able to do that well and also take on the responsibility of leadership, um, I think that. Being a leader uh, is a really difficult task to do it well and can sometimes be hard to learn, but lean on people around you. I've uh, luckily my new head that I've I've been working with for the last um, two years is incredible and um, really for women in leadership and pushing each other and supporting each other whenever we need it really. And it's all about picking each other up and not pushing each other down
1: yeah no that's that's really good advice and I think you're right about being brave I think from my own experience you know going in going into being assistant head you know it is a big plunge that's a great word to use um, yeah. and I think anything prepares you for it and I think you learn on the job quite a lot um, I mean I know there are a lot of courses out there that help but I think ultimately doing it is the best way um, but you're right I think you've got to be brave to make that choice and but it isn't for everyone, which is, you know, yeah. it's something we have covered on the show before. And um, okay, great, that's some good advice there. So let's just dig down a little bit deeper then into some of the roles you've done. So in terms of English, because um, obviously I'm, I'm secondary myself, so I'm fascinated with how it works at primary. And um, how do you, you know, how's your school or schools that you worked in? How do you promote reading and English literacy? What sort of things have you done with that?
2: Okay, so. Um a bit of context about the school that i'm in um we're a high uh, pupil premium number so we're about 42% uh, which is mm. well above national average and quite a high send rate as well um i'm not All really right. sure on the figure of that but it's going up every day um so when i first joined the school um, the love of reading wasn't really very prevalent and people children weren't really were not really about reading Uh, there were distinct lack of books and love for education and stuff like that so I came in with quite a difficult job so the first thing we had to do is I was actually talking to another English lead about it the other day she was like how do you do it what do you do and I think the first thing to do is create a culture of love for reading within the teaching staff because if they do not love reading as much as the English lead does, then there is absolutely no point because at the end of the day, we're the role models for these children. If we are showing that we're enthused by books, that we care about books, that we can talk about them, then the children, because they're lovely and young and little, just attach onto it. And um, so that was yeah. a thing. So we uh, we done a couple of days where we went to a bookshop, um, Just Imagine, uh, which are an amazing company in Essex. We went to them. And just looked through books, we looked through their planning, we looked through the ways that they teach reading, and it really opened it up for us. We then moved away from a guided reading model, which was a way that children used to do every half an hour in primary school six children sitting around a table to read a book with an adult, and the rest of the class were doing reading activities. Um, but we mm-hmm. sort of found that actually six children were getting quality first reading teaching and then 24 children were sort of sitting there perhaps not doing as well as what they should be so we moved to a whole class shared reading um approach which meant that everybody in the class regardless of ability was able to access a year group appropriate text which meant that it was a lot more engaging for everybody there i'm sure you're aware of like biff chip and kipper books do you
1: know yeah yeah yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah so um you know the, the children that are perhaps our lower readers were not just stuck with a magic key every single day they got the opportunity to experience really fun and engaging texts so we did that for a year teachers pulling on texts that they wanted to and books that they wanted to from wherever that perhaps matched their curriculum. I then found that teachers were perhaps using books that matched their topic. So if their topic was the Romans or Vikings or whatever it was, but perhaps Mm -hmm. were not high level, engaging and fun for the children to read. They were doing it because there was a link, a tedious link or a link, and they felt that that was more important. We then moved away from that and I looked at um, a range of different books um, with teachers and set books to be taught um, across the year groups. That's what's uh, across the years, across the year. So (laughs) this year, every every class has had a book that they learn from their English and their reading, their writing, everything comes from this one book and they look at it for a half term so teachers were presented with a present at the beginning of year which which had their books in and it was very exciting they were excited and then we get excited i then um got on to a lovely guy who runs a bookshop called a new chapter new chapter of books i think he is on twitter he was fantastic he um set up a book wish list so for any English leads out there who are struggling to get books he's great because you put a wish list on your website he puts a wish list you can send the link out to parents governors family and friends they buy books and they're donated to the school so we were able to facilitate that every child has a copy of the book that you're reading so they don't get a photocopy of the book they get the actual book to hold in their hands and that has had a, a, a huge impact because they get to hold these big fat novels in their hands and they read from them
1: Um yeah i think that that's, that's really a, what it is that's that sounds, it sounds amazing it really sounds like some very visionary ideas that you've had rather than just you know tick boxy ideas it yeah. sounds like you've real changed some ideas that have really inspired the kids and the teachers what i'll probably do is i'll try and pop into the text box in a minute for anyone uh, who wants to know links to those uh oh, yes. to those two places that you uh, referenced there, and um, so that's brilliant. So that, that gives us a little snapshot there of how Teresa's uh, inspired um, people in her school, staff and students to get into reading. So if we not sort of move to the curriculum in general now, and um, mm-hmm. putting your English teacher hat to one side. um obviously, the curriculum changes that have come in at secondary level, obviously, the offset framework changed a few years ago, did that change for you as well? That was all at the same time, I don't want to get this wrong, or Yes, yeah,
2: we had a new national curriculum obviously it was 2014 so yeah well before that was before my teaching time yeah. so i sort of came into that national curriculum we are part of an academy trust so do not have to follow the national curriculum although no. our curriculum lies very closely in line with it um what changed recently in the offset of framework was about the deep dives of subjects that's right
1: yeah yeah. yeah yeah so
2: it's, yeah, that's true. True. So it's about um So it is about making um, subject leaders ready and and being able to own their subjects, which was quite a difficult one to do because often in primary, you are just sort of handed a subject, like you're the RE lead, you're the maths lead. you're No, not maths, maths and English are quite specific, but you're RE, you're modern foreign languages. Everybody does something, um, but we teach everything. And that's because yeah. you need to as a teacher, you need to know primary school, you need to know enough about a lot of stuff. Um, and that's really, really hard.
1: That's uh, terrifying. That, that's why that's why that's why I never wanted to be a primary school teacher, because <laughs> I thought I, I literally don't understand. I mean, I know primary teachers will say similar things about secondary teachers, but I, I literally don't understand how you can have that wide, you know, that wide knowledge to be able to do all of those things so well.
2: Yeah, it's really, really tough. So, um. Uh, what we um, so what we did is what myself and the head were looking at the curriculum last year and we were sort of saying well this is the curriculum document that we planned from and we use to assess children and that we're using in our school. Does it match what we're seeing? And what we sort of found was actually it wasn't because teachers were not perhaps teaching what was there for them to teach. And so we asked the question, why? So we went back to staff, we were looking at why is this not being taught? What's working? What's not working? Yeah. yeah. Been, although I say myself in the head, I've written it. It has been a massively collaborative process because it's not just down to me. I'm only in year six, so I'm teaching that year. I need to know what every other year wants to teach. And same with um, the head teacher, you know, she's not teaching it day in, day out. She needs to make sure that the staff are on board and want to teach it. So that's where we started. Uh, We had a little look. One of the big things that came out was teacher subject knowledge and people were um, worried. I was worried. I was going from a year three class to a year six class. And I thought, never taught in year six before. How on earth am I going to teach everything about the Egyptians at a year six level, as well as learn the year six maths and the English and everything else I need to do? I do not have time. So we started looking around for um, schemes or um, things out there that would lend itself to our curriculum, that would upskill our teachers, help with workload, because it's so important. And that's where we stumbled across some great ideas um, to help us with our curriculum. So we wrote the curriculum alongside a couple of schemes that help teachers plan and help teachers deliver the lessons. And that's where we're at at the moment. So the subject leader thing about the deep dives, that was really important. So what we did is we grouped our curriculum into different categories. So we've got understanding the world, which is um, your science, History, geography, um topics. You've got creating and inventing, which is your more creative subjects, yeah. music, things like that, art, DT. Then you've got um sports citizenship and health education, which is your PE and PSHCE. Um computing yeah. falls into creating, inventing things like that. So then what we've done is we've teamed up teachers into subject leaders so we have a creating and inventing team that leads that part we've got an understanding the world team and then we've got a um sports health and so then i'm the curriculum umbrella over the three teams but the teams manage their own area of the curriculum so when the dreaded ofsted come in i mean the wonderful ofsted come in they (laughs) feel as pressured being on their own in that situation because they have one or two other people with them so that they really own their curriculum. Every term I ask for feedback from subject leaders at a subject leader level. And then I ask for feedback at a class teacher level and then we tweak and it's a working document because then for September coming, it was going to look different because we would have tweaked it, worked it out, ironed out the kinks and carried on. And it's really important to listen to the people that are delivering it.
1: No, I mean, that's massively important as well. And um, what is interesting there is, I like the way you said that about grouping them together, because obviously primary is different to secondary in that respect, is that you wouldn't have to do that. But I do think the most important thing of all these changes is, you know, the students knowing, you know, what comes next, how it all fits together. So I think those, those, way, those three ways you've grouped them are really a lovely way of doing it. Um, the question I want to ask you is about then how you, I mean, I know it's at the early stages of what you've done, but I'd be interested just to know uh, in terms of how much stuff you have put into like with the memory, with the retrieval, interleaving. you know, have you structured it in a way to revisit stuff from, you know, the journey from, you know, year one to year six, or did you not get that far? Where did you get to with that kind of concept?
2: So, um... The primary curriculum does work. So, the curriculum that we're following and we've written does have progression of skills across the year groups. So, it is like building on each year. So, for example, in year, oh gosh, i got to remember now, in year four, you do electricity and science. Then, in year six, you do electricity and science. So, in the teacher's planning folders and in the teacher's um, assessment folders, you'll be able to see what they studied in year four. With right from the teacher so say perhaps obviously you wouldn't see this right now because this is the first year but this is the dream so when the folder gets passed yep. up you'd be able to see actually yep they've, they've studied on they've got everything with to do with electricity they were able to do this here's the assessment of it so when the year six teacher comes to teach electricity again they'll be able to flick back and go oh do you know what they did really great at that i'm going to slightly tweak what i'm doing they should be able to carry on but, right but so that across the screen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that that answers my question um, about the the kind of progression sense of it. But what about in terms of um, you know ensuring things are revisited about what they've learned? You know what I mean? I mean I don't know how much of this is a big thing at primary, but in terms of like you know the last few years, everyone's been banging on about memory and you know going back, oh, retrieval practice, low stakes tests at the beginning of lessons. How much have you done? How much have you embedded that into your curriculum? And how much of the, is that? just ad hoc you know so
2: one of the schemes that we use for the history geography and science um does that really great um so each lesson has a knowledge quiz about the previous lesson um so uh that's great for that um and other lessons teachers the planning does lead that you recap yeah recap and recall on what you did previously and then you do it the next but in that lesson basically so each um each lesson so we're on a sort of one week timetable so you do history every monday or something or science every tuesday so then yeah. they're able to pull on it and then we've got classroom displays in the in primary school you've also got display for every single su- subject so that helps with memory and retrieval because lessons are then put onto display ready for the children to pull on in the next lesson
3: yeah
1: brilliant right well, it sounds like obviously everything's really well thought through and it also sounds like you you know a lot of what i'm listening to the way you your style which is not everybody's style of course but um what i think is very good and good practice just the idea of consulting with staff you know obviously you've got to make a decision because you're in that leadership position but it yeah. sounds like you're really valuing you know the staff's opinions and yes. what about the kids how much do they do you get their feedback or student voice yeah on?
2: so we assess using pupil voice um as well as what they have in their books so subject leaders go around um once every half term minimum um they get extra release time to do this they'll take the phone they'll go to a class they'll say can i talk to a couple of children about their learning they'd pull the folder, they'd open it up so that the teacher can see what they've been learning. And then the children get asked about how the lessons have gone, any wonderful yeah. things that they've done, and they get to hear it back like that. My, Where we're from, our demographic, um, they love routine and they love mm-hmm. consistent expectations. And this curriculum has given them that because everybody's teaching yeah. the same we're well, not the same you know we all have our own flares and hooks and yeah, yeah. ways to teach it but they know what to expect in a lesson mm, yeah with some degree we I think, think that's great things like you know we have archaeological digs going on we have dressing up days going on we have like act it out and all sorts of different things but um
1: yeah they know what's coming all right that's that's really good I think there's two things there one is that you're training the students to be able to talk about it yes. which i think a lot of people will tell you from ofsted visits that i've heard of in the last year mm-hmm. um been a massive thing so the fact you're you know getting your kids able to talk about it mm-hmm. uh, is is really helpful for you in demonstrating that you know not not that you are not doing it for ofsted but that they're able to demonstrate their journey yeah um and and secondly just them being to be able to articulate it full stop i think it's one of the things you know, I think I've said get a bad rep for a lot of things, but I actually think the curriculum uh, focus is actually a good thing because it you know, it is something that's going to help learners to students to move forward. Yeah, um,
2: and Aura is a really big th- thing at the moment. Um, yeah. So being able to speak about speaking full sentences and answer coherently and accurately about what you've been asked. So that's really important
1: for us as well. And that's why we do a lot of pupil voice yeah that's what I was going to say that all ties in with that doesn't it and, I mean, mm-hmm. and like you say it's, it's hitting it on lots of different levels so um you know you're covering so many bases by letting the students have that opportunity to talk about it and and getting feedback yourselves Um, brilliant all right well listen i'm aware of them of your time i'm sure you're a very very busy um woman um and educator and person and i have a life outside of school um <laughs> as well Um, some some life um <laughs> What's left of the time you have, but um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and what we're going to do now, I'm going to obviously get other people, hopefully, to call in or message about some of those issues that we've talked about with Teresa, um, looking at English and uh, looking at primary curriculum and careers, and all of those things. We'll unpick after the news. But um, but thank you, Teresa, for joining us, and um, good luck with your uh, career and keep keep going. Thank
2: you for
1: having me. It's been great. Now
0: live from London. This is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag
3: TTRadio.
0: articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more.
3: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk.
0: Introducing Bulb. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
4: Pupils at Belmont Grosvenor Prep School in Harrogate took part in a sound bath experience as part of the school's wellbeing programme. The school was visited by Sudeshna Sarkar, a sound mediation practitioner, who ran a series of sound workshops during Children's Mental Health Week. A sound bath is a meditative experience where you lie down and are bathed in different sounds. All pupils had a chance to play the gongs, Himalayan bowls, chimes, crystal bowls, and other instruments before experiencing a brief sound bath. Ms Sarkar said she was overwhelmed by the positive responses to the workshop from the pupils. She said, participation in a sound bath requires no prior experience and is an excellent tool for children and adults alike to alleviate the symptoms of anxiety, stress, depression, poor sleep and a range of conditions affecting the nervous system. In Northern Ireland, Schools Minister Robin Walker has said schools must teach LGBT content and that there are no plans to rule out teaching about trans issues. He told the Commons Education Committee, we do need to talk about the world as it is, adding that trans people were a protected group under the Equality Act who needed support. He said, we want schools to be able to support pupils including the small number of pupils who may have gender identity issues and may need support in that respect. And it's important that if they approach members of staff, they can be signposted to the right advice and support. He said that issues around sex and gender had to be taught in an age-appropriate way and there were some really complex legal issues to do with the Equality Act. The Government is working with the Equality and Human Rights Commission to explore this. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at fake news and scammers. We all
5: know what a scammer is, but do we really know what fake news is? The NSPCC website explains fake news in an easy to understand way if you want to look a little deeper. However, basically it's disinformation as opposed to misinformation. Misinformation is shared without knowledge or intent to harm. Disinformation is shared intentionally. Fake news is nothing new, but for most it's seen as a propaganda or a political tools to influence opinion however it's becoming more popular with scammers i decided to see what happens when you actually follow a fake news advert i've noticed recently popular social media apps and search engine adverts encouraging investment in cryptocurrency one ad caught my eye as i was looking at the news headlines on a popular browser it read elon musk invests 12 million in a new trading platform I trusted the search engine, so I clicked on the link. Because let's face it, anything Elon invests in is worth looking at. I was taken to a website showing how the company Bitcoin Motion had created an investment robot that invests when Bitcoin climbs and sells when Bitcoin falls. Because Bitcoin is a massively volatile currency, you can earn a large profit in a very short time. It sounds almost too good to be true. On the site, there's a report where Elon himself tells a popular American news presenter to invest $250, and within eight minutes, she's made a profit of $100. Scrolling down, there were testimonials from Dragon's Den, money Supermarket marking other well-known established names. Next, a button to fill in a simple web form to sign up. I spent some time researching Bitcoin Motion. It was clearly fake. All endorsers had published statements saying they were nothing to do with it. So I signed up. Within 30 seconds, I had a phone call from another company called FX. Strangely though, there was a distinctive call transfer noise, a silence before the connection. Why if they phoned me? Hello? Hello? Hey, today i speaking to Mr. Steve. Steve, what? That's me. Steve, speaking. Calling from, uh, in I this morning, and I was called Mr. Steve. I should have hung up. Anyway, I was then time pressured so I didn't miss out to give the big long number across my credit card, which I didn't do. So I was sent a WhatsApp message with a secure payment link. Again, I was pushed to open it on my cell phone and pay. I made my excuses and ended the call. A further five messages and calls, some from London, some from Sheffield came, never leaving a message. The WhatsApp saying, I see you've not made your transaction. I'm calling to assist you. The recording I have is my final call with the supposed investment company. On the 20th of March at 8pm on Tom Rogers' show, we're going to listen to this and discuss the topic. Why not join us? I'm going to leave you with a final thought. I was told to look at the website and see there was a padlock showing it was safe. The padlock and certificate is proof your connection is encrypted. It's not proof of how trustworthy the person on the other end is. Anyone can buy an SSL certificate. Please be careful. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was 2.0 minute tech two minute
0: tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio
1: oh well, wow well, thanks to steve there and obviously go with the news and our sponsors but that is i mean those steve woods tech things they get better every week i had one the other week about being careful with my phone which changed my whole practice i was suddenly realized that i had my phone out under the corridors and i was in danger and putting myself in a dodgy position so i started to be a bit more careful and that one from steve was brilliant absolutely brilliant there about you know things that we think are safe that are not and the the, the people that are out there and the, the lengths people will go to to get our money and to uh you know the scammers is unreal and it's difficult for kids as well it's bad enough for us old folk but you know for kids as well that may be more gullible or not as more naive and don't realize and they've grown up with this they may be um, easy just to to target so yeah great Steve thanks for that I hope we keep doing those and obviously tune into that show with Tom because that'll be it'll be fascinating to see um what they get into with that and so firstly apologies after um the interview with Teresa I think again my um silly brain uh which is too tired uh forgot to put my mic back on so there may have been an awkward silence between that interview and the news I apologize um all I was basically saying was what a great inter- interview it was and thank you to Teresa uh, for giving up her time and seeing if anybody out there particularly wants to develop those points that we mentioned so talking about curriculum so I love the fact she was talking about how she groups her curriculum together in those three umbrellas of the uh, the science and the, the academic stuff and the, the sports stuff and the artistic creative subject I thought that's a really lovely model and um, it might not be how you do it at your primary school and it might not work for everyone but I thought it's a fantastic idea and it'd be great to hear if anybody's other primary schools do something similar uh, about how they group it because I know at secondary we don't really necessarily have to do it like that uh, because students have you know individual teachers and then we have options in year 10 uh, and their pathways then are defined by that um, but yeah I mean that was just a great way of looking at it um, and also what I really want to dig into a little bit now is this idea of how articulate the students can be about their curriculum so just to clarify Obviously, um, in recent years with the shift towards curriculum from Ofsted, um, there is a, a need for you to be able, uh, certainly a secondary, and this must be true of primary as well, to be able, the Ofsted inspectors will take kids out of your lessons. They will ask to see books. They'll obviously want to see a learning journey, which is obviously fine. And they'll want to see that, how that has developed, rather than prior to that, when they used to look more at progress checking and teacher performance. So then the debate is then how much can we preempt that by uh skilling our kids up and educating our children in terms of the language around their curriculum now i'm not saying to do this in a cynical way at all obviously students should know what they're doing what they've just done and where it's going by default you are going to talk about that you're obviously always going to say do you remember last lesson do you remember when we did this before you're also probably going to say things like. You know and this will you'll get an exam on this later on in the year or if you do this subject at year 10 i've said those things hundreds of times what i haven't done is been really explicit with my whole class and really hammered it home about what they're doing this the, the topic they're doing it and why they're doing it at that exact point because for me i might think all right well i'm doing this voice uh, workshop for my year eights uh, because i need they need to develop their vocal skills Now that is a skill they're gonna need at GCSE, and it is a part of performance at A level that they have to get better at. I might not necessarily say that because it's just obvious that I'm gonna do voice skills with them because they need to get better. Now, they may get an assessment and they may get feedback from me uh, or another teacher to say, work on your vocal skills. But in terms of them, if that student was taken out by an officer inspector and asked, why are you doing voice? They may answer, or oh, because SIRS told us to, or because we know you have to use your voice in drama. Are they necessarily going to say, oh, because voice is a key skill at GCSE and SIRS developing our skills in this area because it's something people lose marks on? Probably not. Um but will they know how that topic fits into other topics? I'm just not sure. And I think metacognitively, it's important they know how it links together, which is probably why all these roadmaps have come from, um, which are everywhere you see them in secondary schools. I'm not sure about primary again, but roadmaps are everywhere you look. Um, and that's great and they look good and they, they're helpful for parents, they're helpful for students to see where it's going. But how much of that is just, lip service how much of that is just well let's put that on the wall so kids know they do this topic then they do that i think what i've said they're looking for is the the reasons why you're doing it at that point and i'm not 100 percent sure that students will be able to necessarily say that and actually why should they say that um because as long as they know what they're doing and where it's going in terms of the skills and the knowledge as long as they know They've been, you know, asked what they did before in terms of right. How does what I'm doing with you today link to what we did last year or last week, etc.? That's classic good practice. But this kind of the detail about it, I'm not sure. And again, I'm not an Ofsted inspector. I've not had those conversations. I can only go on two or three schools that I know in the last six months that I've had Ofsted, and um, where every single time students were taken out, books were looked at, pupils were tracked, uh, students were put into rooms. Uh, with other students and ask loads of questions about their curriculum what they were doing in certain subjects now it might be a deep dive in let's say history or english and of course then that only that subject will be under scrutiny and obviously as a school you can say now to ofsted right these are our areas of strength these are our areas of development so that's all good but you know if you're a head of faculty or a middle leader now and you're sitting there and you're really pleased with your curriculum you're really pleased with the mapping and the way you've sequenced it and it's all lovely jubbly are you 100 percent sure that a student would be able to articulate that um when picked at random potentially uh from a group um and how well they'd be able to talk about it so it's just something to think about and again if you've got an opinion on this please click the call in button or send me a message um because i'd love to know what what everyone else thinks this is only my opinion remember i have not got stacks of research i haven't got a book in front of me I'm only going on what I can ascertain from the last couple of years, where curriculum has been at the forefront. Teachers I've worked with, students that I've worked with. So again, maybe it's wrong. Now Teresa, who I interviewed earlier, and if you missed that, you can always listen back on Spotify, on Podbean, or through the website, the Listen Back function. Uh, please do do that if you missed the beginning, because it's a great interview uh, where she digs down a bit more on how she and her leadership team and her head teacher how they did it and a primary level so obviously i've i've kind of focused on primary a bit more today because that was her background but yeah listening to what she says it's fascinating how how she gets students out how she gets them to talk about uh their learning and how she uses um also outside organisations. so just to pick that up um one of the other things we talked about earlier on the show and this is why i dig this down with teresa was about reading so as well as curriculum today we are discussing uh, getting kids reading and enjoying books, and and she mentioned a couple of different companies that she uses or organisations that she uses. I've put them in the chat, um, but if you are listening to this as a podcast, you won't be able to see that. So one of them is at New Chapter Books, uh, which is a I think a company that gives away. Uh, free books or certainly gives copies of books away. Um, I'm not sure how it works. I'm not here to, you know, sponsor that that company or promote them, but that's just something she mentioned. So check that out if you're interested. And also the other one was at Imagine Centre, uh, which is another place that she mentioned she uses in terms of um, reading and, and love of learning and oracy. So, again, I don't really know anything about those at all. I've not used them myself, but I'm just um, mentioning them because she said they were fantastic. So maybe worth checking out, something for you to look at. Um, so in reality, how long do we spend on curriculum planning? So I mentioned earlier on about Dylan William when he talks about the intended curriculum, which is our intentions that we put everywhere in our offset in our websites, uh on our schemes of work, possibly on our curriculum plans that you need to submit to uh your leadership team or your head of faculty. And the intent is always very, I think, quite easy to do in some ways because you know exactly what you actually want the kids to learn. You know where you want it to go because you're working backwards, perhaps from GCSE or A level um, or core skills. So you're going back thinking, right, OK, this is my intention. I'm doing, let's say, drama. I would say I'm going to do a silent movie uh, scheme of work. The intent is students will develop their physical skills, their mime skills. facial expressions etc so that's that's the easier bit i think in terms of that then you've got to write it all out then you've got to plan it all then you've got to chew it apart and make sure you've got those lessons but in fact what and you end up doing in the classroom with the students how much does that relate to exactly what your plan was and does that matter because again if someone comes into your lesson and the kids are really engaged and they're learning and they're making you know really good progress and then you can see there's a a real buzz and their students are really making moving forward through the gears that's amazing for me and if they're writing stuff and they're discussing things however you want to do it, whatever subject for me that is what it's all about you know a clear objective something the kids are going to go in come out at the end and think wow today i've learned this or today i've consolidated this that's that's to me the most important thing about teaching so if we are then bogged down necessarily by a plan that we did six months ago in the summer holidays because we have to do it because it's on a scheme or it's on a website when when do we get to the point where we're actually serving a different master um and and actually is that reality is that what people do or do we people do teachers out there tend to bin that off and just think actually i'm going to just do what i need to do for these kids right now and then do you after have to go back and tweak it or does nobody check it or has anybody got any time to check it and and does it matter i think personally if you've got a let's say a six-week scheme of work on a topic, if I decide to go off on a different tangent, uh, and again, I can only talk about drama, but let's say it was history and you were doing the empire and you were doing a lesson on uh, the rebellion, uh, a certain rebellion, uh, you know, I can't remember what it's called, I think it's the Malloy rebellion, I might be wrong, I'm sure someone will correct me. Uh, If you're doing a lesson on a specific part of that, you know, part of history, uh, and it ends up leading you into other debates and discussions, obviously you're probably going to go with that but at what cost to the plan at what cost to uh, the overall um you know sequencing of your learning if you do that do you then lose something else uh, again we talked earlier about retrieval practice and m- m- mapping that in very important to do because if you don't map it in if you don't plan for it you may do a, a one-off quiz or a test but If it's actually sequenced in you think right at week three i'm going to retest that At week eight i'm going to retest that At week 12 i'm going to make sure we go back over that that is the way to do it and every book on curriculum will tell you the same thing and every retrieval practice book you read will tell you the same thing but in actual reality what happens if that was on your plan and there was a fire drill what happens if um you know schools you know schools online learning because the year group sent home all these kind of things that can get in the way do you then go back to it and rechange it or do you just think right well i've lost the opportunity now i'm going to have to do it because too often i see teachers worrying about that instead of you know what is actually happening in front of them uh, or what the kids need to do but hey that's just my opinion um maybe the curriculum is, is it has to be watertight to ensure that every student gets the right um the right content to make sure that things like literacy are embedded into it cultural capital all those sorts of things we talk about again with english getting you know diverse authors in there and all these things that have been floating around for the last two years they're all coming down to teaching and learning but ultimately they will come down to curriculum and what you've got there how visible it is how clear it is to teachers to parents to students and then how do we make sure that is enacted because there is a gap um, between what you intend to do and what you end up doing I'm sure of it uh, and maybe other teachers I don't maybe other maybe it's just me maybe other teachers are really good at sticking exactly to their plan and they uh, vehemently make sure they do that all the time and then there's no room for errors I mean thinking about this now I know that putting those big plans in can take time I know that a lot of teachers did that in lockdown when we had to do that uh, working from home I think that we had an opportunity and I think it is a lot of actual hard graft to get all those documents done. And maybe you're a bit annoyed with how you've got to do it or the format in which your school wants them to, you to do it. But actually, it kind of is like a security blanket, maybe, because if you put that work in and it's there, you don't have that thing of thinking, right, let me check the scheme. What am I doing? Am I doing it in the right order? Because you've already done that kind of reflection and that thinking prior to that. But what's what's interesting is, which I mentioned earlier, would be nice to know is, Do people then go back after you've taught a topic and after you've done an assessment and think, hmm, maybe I should have done a different order, or maybe I should have gone into this in more or less depth. Do you then go back immediately and change it? Do you make a little note to self and then say, well, I'm going to do that next year? Because I wouldn't, because I would never remember. But perhaps if you're doing a topic every year, the same topic you, you tweak, you don't, everyone tweaks uh each time. So that's what we're looking at today. We've been talking about curriculum. We've also been talking about reading. Um, so with my guest Teresa, we mentioned a little bit about reading. Um, she's got some fantastic ideas. Uh, if you listen to the interview or if you did listen to the interview about how she um encourages books, they give away free books, they give real books, not photocopies. Uh, they encourage teachers to talk about their reading and encourage them to do it. And that is all key to it. Um, and i've done loads of things in my time we've we've done displays we did teachers reading in the summer holidays every member of staff took a photo of themselves reading their book somewhere in the summer in an interesting place then we had a competition for the best one so that motivated staff to do the do the photos and then obviously the, the lrc manager put a great big display of all those teachers reading i mean i think it's brilliant it is brilliant and i don't think we'll ever know really you can't really measure the impact of that um because I don't think kids will say, oh, I I, I started reading this book because I saw Mr Ventura reading on a beach. That's not really going to happen, is it? But perhaps we don't really know because it's a subtle thing um, and you're promoting it, you know, on a visual level. And kids are seeing that and they're seeing you as a role model. And maybe they see you in the staff or see you somewhere reading, you know, rather than us sitting on our phones, et cetera, and think, oh, look, there's Sir, he's reading. You know, we are role, we are role models to them, of course um but well that's not enough is it let's uh, really i mean that's a good start you have to do other things in relation with world book day i did a fantastic thing once um at one school i worked in where uh, there was the hundred i think it what was it the hundred best books or the hundred most popular books or fi- works of fiction the top hundred and then we had a great thing where the school bought every single book in that list and then those hundred books were um given to 100 selected students i can't remember how we we picked the kids but anyway and then those 100 kids were paired with a teacher and that teacher then so i i the book i got was the cloud atlas or actually i think we chose staff chose which book they wanted to do from the list of 100 so every member of staff so i picked cloud atlas because i'd never read it before Um, i'd not seen the film but i'd heard a lot of things about it and then uh one of the boys in year 10 uh he got that book or he picked that or he was given it i can't remember and um yeah and then what was amazing was we both would read it we both had a set amount of time to read it a few months to read it and then at the end the process we all got together in a kind of celebratory uh fashion where we had like some cakes or whatever in the library and then we had to talk about it and so i get to i get to sat, sit with this year 10 boy who i knew anyway from from teaching but anyway And we sat and we discussed it like a book club, but it was just me and him. And we talked about what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. We also talked about the film, which we'd not seen at that point. And if you ever read Cloud Atlas, it is a mental book. It's absolutely crazy. It's really tough, I think, to read because it spans different characters through different timelines uh, in different times in history. And it's like part of its sci-fi, part of its old-fashioned um, set in you know colonial times, it's really interesting. I, I did like I watched the film. I did not really think the film was, did the book justice. It's a hard read, but it it is really a really rewarding one at the end if you stick with it. Um, anyway, so and then that was brilliant. And then we both it really encouraged me to get into a bit more of of, of some reading fiction that I'd I'd maybe lost my way with. It uh, it got him into it. The the dialogue that we had was great. I mean that was just one idea. So you've got World Book Day displays. Uh, buddying up students and teachers, uh, opportunities for reading to be, maybe you maybe we can actually finish the show today by d- matching all these things together. So let's take curriculum and let's take reading and let's finish by looking at both. How much I'd like to know, how much primary particularly, but how much at secondary are these key books or key reading interspersed into the curriculum? Now maybe at primary that's different. Because you might, like Teresa said, you might say, right, this is the book. We're going to base our whole curriculum around this book. Um, I know I've seen in secondary schools, intervention groups uh, using one book, and they all work on that same book to to enhance their reading skills uh, with a set teacher. But how much of those reading that is interleaving into your curriculum? That's what I'd be interested to know. I know for drama, it's kind of different because we'd be reading either the set text or we'd be reading uh potentially a script anyway in the in the topic but i wouldn't necessarily expect all the students to read that script or read that play unless it was obviously gcse um but it might be something to encourage students to do and say right go oh another brilliant thing about this i've just remembered actually um is that some schools do they they get their curriculum areas to nominate two or three books uh fiction usually that link to their subject so for example maths they might talk about Curious Incident of the Dog, and they might say, you know, promote people, students to read that book because it has a a, a maths part to it uh, where Christopher loves maths and he and maths is inter, interspersed into that book, uh, and then other subjects. They might, you know, pick a book that matches their curriculum, and then and then I've seen that published on Twitter. That was on a show I did probably six months ago now, where I talked to a guest about how they did that, and they sent that out a literacy. A literacy lead it was, actually. And she talked about how they uh, use these curriculum based books and that they were promoted by teachers in lessons uh, linked to their subject. Now, not every kid's going to read every book, of course, and not every student is going to even be interested in necessarily those topics. But the point is making those links uh, all the time uh so yeah that's that's kind of where we're at really with all that so it's been a bit of an interesting one today because we picked apart a lot of different things we've looked at curriculum in some depth uh we've looked at um some reading uh and we've looked at some primary issues and um, we've discussed a little bit of leadership with theresa as a as a, a female lead how she's uh created her career in very short space of time so big up big up to Teresa there <clears throat> um, from her career started six seven years and she's um at that point now where she's going to become a deputy head so congratulations to her and we've covered a lot of stuff and again as always thank you for joining me uh and being been listening in um we will be back in two weeks time uh as usual and which will be definitely the end of term I've talked a bit about that maybe I'm getting too excited but it's two weeks to go and that will definitely be the end of term uh we have east we have shows on teacher talk radio all through these holidays Uh, We won't be live Easter weekend itself. So I think we shut down uh, Good Friday to the Bank Holiday Mondays because we all obviously uh, have that time uh, to celebrate ourselves as hosts. But we are open. Uh, We will be broadcasting the rest of the time all through the Easter holidays. So if you find Teacher Talk Radio something you don't necessarily have time to listen to in term time, then you can go back uh, and listen live or listen back to old episodes uh, in the holidays and catch up. On some things you might have missed out on so it's coming up to half past five we're basically done um as i've said well i'll be back in two weeks i'm just going to double check now uh if there is a show uh later on today which there should be and who it's on today um let me just have a little look at the latest schedule um okay so it is obviously thursday and we should have after me tonight. I'm hoping there may well be uh, Mark might be on later tonight, um, but I'm not 100% sure. But there are some shows on tonight and there are some shows, lots of shows on tomorrow uh, and obviously at the weekend. So the best thing to do to be up to date with all of that is go to our website, www.ttradio.org. Have a look, see what the schedule says, who's on um, and make sure you tune into all the other fun shows that are coming up over the next few days and follow us. If you don't already so i hope you have a lovely evening it's still light here in london it's still sunny here i'm going to try and catch the last few rays of the day uh before, uh, before i uh, settle down for the evening i hope you have had a lovely week it's friday tomorrow remember so you can chill uh friday evening um and i hope you've had a good week all round so thanks for joining us um like i say make sure you um listen again if you're not at the chance download my show if you can tell all your friends um, and get involved. And if you do want to be a guest on a future show, simply uh, go onto Twitter, DM the team at ttradio Radio Twenty Twenty Two, or you can DM myself, Seb at TripiTaka Seventy uh, Four, and let us know if you want to be a guest. We're always open to anybody with anything to say about teaching and education on the show. We're completely open to all different opinions. Um, and experiences from wherever you are so yeah get in touch if you want to be involved um and that's about it from me i hope you have a lovely evening and take care and i'll speak to you all in a couple of weeks
0: you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio